Let's go, girls. From New York City to Los Angeles, Powered Up with Beck and Franklin is giving women of all ages permission to live the life they've always dreamed of. Why live in black and white when you can choose the brilliance of 3D and Technicolor? Each week, Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin and their high-powered guests will be here to cheer you on, to share their challenges, their successes, and what they've learned along the way. It's all about women supporting women. The stories and practical tips on sex, beauty, money, and so much more are designed to help you reconnect to the powerful woman you are. Fabulous knows no limits. Now it's time for you to expand your boundaries. Here are Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Hey, ladies, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Linda Franklin, and we've got a great show today, Linda, because we're going to talk about sex. <laughs> What's left to talk about? <laughs> you know, there's we lots will find to talk out, about. But, yeah. Well, and it's interesting, you know, because I've been reading a lot about, um, like, intimacy and sex, and what I've found is that a lot of people don't talk about love anymore, and so my question to you is, do you think love is outdated? No, I think it's all about love. I mean, listen, sex is sex and love is love. If you can, if you're lucky enough to have that combination, then it's then it's fabulous. A lot of people don't, but uh, you know, love is uh, you know. I think love is. Um, well, I can only speak for myself. I think love is what keeps you together. <laughs> I think that's the old song from Captain and Tennille, right? Love will oh, keep I us love together. That song. Yeah, and then they just got divorced, so you, you never know. <laughs> That's true. I guess love didn't keep us together after all. No, after, what, 35 years or 40 years or whatever, however long they were married, they they split up. It's you know, always I don't interesting know. It, to it, me. It, everybody, every relationship is different. If you try to put yourself in any kind of a box, no pun intended, um, it you, you you'll only end up, frustrating yourself, hurting yourself, and every relationship is different and unique. And, you know, and and trying to, you know, whitewash it so everything is the same is, you know, I think it's detrimental. Well, I think you're right to a certain extent, you know, but what I have seen is that people with common values, you know, like they have, you know, they actually enjoy each other and and like what they, you know, like the person that they're married to, seem to last a lot more than people who have this incredible chemistry. Yeah, well, chemistry after a while dies down, and if you don't have that, I think the very important word is respect. If you don't respect the person you're with... Uh, and when the steaminess uh, tones down, then uh, I think you're on the road to disaster because there's nothing, you know, there's no glue to hold you together. Well, and I love that you talk about the glue because, you know, when you're first married, and I was reading about some stuff about this, they're talking about like, oh, yeah, chemistry is what holds the relationship together. But then as time goes on, it's friendship, love, and res- or, yeah, friendship, love, and respect that really cement the relationship. Yeah, you know, you hey, listen, everything keeps changing, including your relationship. Your relationship at 20 ain't the same as a relationship at 50 or 60. You know, you, things change, or, uh, the things that are important to you change. Um, and so, you know, you're not going to have that same kind of uh, 
young relationship you had as you get older. Um, and that's a good thing. I think it's a good thing, too. It's interesting that you say that because I was reading a study on eHarmony recently that said that as people age, their priorities change in what they're looking for in a partner. And they said, like, in the 20s, you know, physical is a really big part of it. And physical kind of goes down. Not It doesn't ever go away, but it goes down over time. And what escalates, though, is philanthropy. Like, people tend, as they get older, to find people who are philanthropic more attractive than they did in their 20s. And I thought that was kind of a neat, you know, like a neat little thing. Well, I, I hadn't, I hadn't heard that. I mean, that isn't, you know, that's lovely, but that wouldn't be on my top three uh, list of of looking for for someone uh, at this stage of my life. Really, you wouldn't consider, you know, their philanthropic efforts, like how much they. Give I said back. top three. They, the top three. <laughs> yeah, they would. It would not be in my top three. What would be your top three? I don't know. I, I think somebody that does that. I think somebody that enjoys their life, regardless whether I'm in it or not. They enjoy their life. They don't have. They're not carrying around a large sack of rocks on their back. They're just happy, you know, being alive and and enjoying life. And I think uh, too is somebody that would um, respect me for who I am uh, in all different stages, warts and all. So I think acceptance is very important. And then yeah, the third is, you know, just having fun together. I think that that's a very important thing. So I, the, that would be my top three just off the top of my head. I like that. I wrote them down, you know, because as I go out into the dating arena, you know, I had a a date last week and, you know, it was nice and everything. But, you know, when people get to a certain age and they talk about like, oh, my knee's bad, my foot hurts, my back hurts, man, I want to run in the other direction. And we were the same age. It wasn't like he was that old, you know, it's like not like he was 80 years old going, oh, my hips hurt. Um, You know, but when people talk about body aches during a date, it's a real turnoff. I would say so. I would say so. Yeah, no, especially in a guy in his 40s. I mean, there's plenty there's plenty of time for that to happen because um, I got a couple of aches this week. But um, you're right. And when you're in your 40s, you say, oh, my God, how, all the older people talk about is their aches, their pains, and their doctors, and da-da-da. And you say, oh, that would never be me. And then, and then you get there and you say, <laughs> oh, my God, I know, I know now what they were talking about. Yeah, but like, where do you go from there? You know, and it's funny because, you know, when the the date said to me, he's like, oh, you know, my foot hurts and, you know, my foot has hurt for a long time and I think I'm going to have to have surgery on my foot. And, you know, I'm like going, this is it. Like, this is your date talk. This is literally your best foot forward, the broken toe. This is your first impression. (laughs) Yes, not a good one. No, and I thought, gosh, you know, where do you go from there? Because, you know, you're supposed to be on your best behavior. You know, and I was talking about how I'm going to go surfing on Friday, and I'm so excited. And, you know, he's like, oh, my foot hurts. And I'm like, <laughs> next. <laughs> well, it looks like he won't be going surfing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think when you said, you know, I think that whole thing about having fun together and enjoying your life, I think if two people really have great lives and they enjoy themselves, they bring a lot to the table. When you bring a broken toe to the table or a hurt foot or a bad back, it's really, you know, you look forward and go, wow, that's, that's really not much to look forward to. No, that's, you know, that's part of life. Um, but it certainly isn't date talk at the beginning. You know, everybody's got their their little issues, um, 
but <laughs> I, I don't think that uh, that's enough to scare anybody off uh, relatively uh, fresh in the relationship. Yeah. So, yeah, I was like a take a pass, you know, because okay. I do. I want, you know, like like what you said, somebody who enjoys their life and some somebody to have fun together. And for me, you know, I have a lot of fun outside. I like to hike. I like to run. I like to swim. You know, I like to do physical things. So um, I think it's really important that you identify, like you identified your top three when you go out, especially second time around, because you go, I'm not settling this time. I'm not going to settle for less. No, you you know you, you. Some women have a list that's absolutely too long. They've got fifty fifty requirements on the list, and they're and they're like shooting in the breeze because you know you're never going to find someone that fits all of your um, criteria. And you know, and you have to look at yourself too and say, well, what have I got to offer? And a lot of women, they they have all these wants. I want this. I want him to be this. I want him to be this. And you'll and and they got to look in the mirror and say, okay. What do I have to offer this this perfect man? Who am I? What will, you know? What what will he get out of it? Well, I can tell you, he will get crushing debt, two children that need braces, and an old man. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, <laughs> you know. But that, you know, somebody um, said that to me on a date. I would laugh because it, you know, like you get it. You know, like it's just you got to have fun. I don't care how old you are, how young you are. If you don't have fun, like with your girlfriends or with your partner in life, it's life's hard enough without yeah. you know bringing another you know, downer into the situation. Oh, absolutely. You know, so I think it's really important that each each person in a relationship um, is happy with themselves or as happy with themselves as they can be uh, so that they don't bring, you know, this, as I always call it, the sack of rocks into the relationship because that's a killer. It is a killer. It's just a. It's just brutal. Anyway, you slice it. Um, now let's see. I, I think we have to go to commercial break soon. I think I'm in the wrong chat. I just I'm all off today. Well, um, I think we got a few minutes. Okay. Well, then we're going to keep talking about what other things that we we want to find in somebody because today we're going to talk about love and intimacy and relationships and you know how. How do you do that when you have two careers, kids, dogs? You know, we talked a little bit last week, Linda, about how do you make time for intimacy. And that's not just sex. You know, that's like a whole gamut of stuff. And if you don't have any time, how do you keep, um, how do you keep that relationship alive? Yeah, well, you know, it, it takes a lot of work. Uh, it, it's not a slam dunk. See, and I found, like, you know, like with my relationships, whether it was with the military guy and we were separated a lot or whether it was my ex-husband, we were separated a lot, you know, because of our jobs, I think it it requires a a huge amount of effort that I don't know if people are willing to put the effort in today to have good relationships. Do you? Putting in the effort? Yeah. um, I, you know, some do, some don't. Um, I you know, I have a I have a a friend, and this is um, her husband is away a lot, and you know he just comes home uh, once in a while, and then they they will meet and have a vacation and stuff. But he's not underfoot all the time, and I think I always think that those kind of relationships are really good because it's sort of like every time he comes home, it's like a special event. 
Well, yeah. I mean, there is such thing as too much togetherness, you know, and I look at my parents' marriage and they were married over 50 years, a great marriage, but we had two houses and my mom would go to one in the summer and my dad would work, you know, out of the other house and, you know, they gave each other a lot of space. I think um, that's a big key. Yeah, no, I think space is a big key and... um... I, you know, I have, we have, I also have friends that, you know, spend 24 seven together and I don't know how they do it because, uh, you know, after you just need a breather and I like a lot of alone time. So, you know, my husband gives me that and that's, that's wonderful, but he does too. Likes it too. So I think we're getting close well, Linda, to we're the end go of to this segment. We're going to go to commercial break and when we come back, we're going to talk to Michael Russer, our intimacy expert, and he's going to talk to us a little bit about redefining romance and redefining um, intimacy with respect to sex and love and actually just caring and spending time together. So when we come back from the break, we're going to talk about the new paradigm, romance. We've got lots more Powered Up with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin after these messages. Homeschooling? Have questions? Get your pen and paper ready. It's the sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNinney. Fridays at 5, 4 Central on Toginet.com. After a handsome blue-eyed Texan fell in love with Vivian at the Victoria Station in London, she found herself at DFW Airport with a tiny suitcase and a snazzy little duffel bag. Well, 25 years later, she is now happily married to that blue-eyed cowboy. They have four grown children, ages 24 to 18, who became willing guinea pigs when she unwittingly stumbled upon the world of homeschooling. Wildflower Academy flourished for 15 years. They survived and thrived, and you can too. Vivian will be covering a wide range of issues that face homeschoolers. What do you do with kids in the summer? How to set up your one-room schoolhouse? How obedience is paramount? And what to do with those snakes? Plus, you'll be sharing ideas and insights that she gleaned from other homeschoolers. So join us for an engaging hour with a sociable homeschooler. Vivian McNinney, Friday afternoons at 5, 4 Central on toginet.com. Join host Kaylin Amadio for Act Local, marketing for small business. Kaylin helps concerned, confused, and even clueless small business entrepreneurs market simply, safely, and successfully. Join Kaylin for some Monday morning marketing madness that will leave you with more ideas, more understanding, and more knowledge about why and how harnessing the Internet gives you the power to bring your business to the next level. Whether you need help with online media, social media, video, or mobile marketing for your local business, this marketing black belt will guide you into the 21st century with easy tips, tricks, and techniques that get your local business seen and heard. Each week, Kaylin will feature a new tip that you can use today, as well as a range of guest experts who are passionate about helping local business owners thrive. Act Local Marketing for Small Business airs every Monday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Rockstar Radio Network. We're back with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Here's more Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. 
Hey ladies, this is Sandra Beck and I'm here with Linda Franklin and we are talking today about romance, about intimacy, love, sex, all those things that go along with it and we have welcomed uh, intimacy expert Michael Russer of HardlyBroken.com and we're going to talk today about the new definition of romance and Michael, I think it's so important that we have these discussions because what worked for our parents' generation doesn't necessarily work work for this generation um, and generations to come because everything has changed so much. We've got dual income households. We've got dual educated households. A lot of times we have split households, fractured households, you know, with kids going every which way over to dad's house, back to mom's house. There's so many different conditions that are, are commonplace today that the old definition of romance, you know, which is a lot of spontaneity, a lot of like, well, let's just see what happens, goes by the way side with busy schedules. So I'd like you to introduce yourself and talk about the old definition of romance and what you see happening today. Well, you want me to introduce myself? Like, yeah, because again? you know what? These are oh. these broadcasts <laughs> these live in new... perpetuity. <laughs> okay. Well, as you and Linda know, I am a, a prostate cancer survivor who was rendered fully impotent, uh, yet that ended up being a huge gift for me and my partner. As a result of that, we experienced levels of truly extraordinary emotional, physical, and even spiritual intimacy that most ordinarily functioning couples um, have a hard time even believing is possible for anybody. So I have a very unique perspective on this. And, and I think the old defin- definition of romance is, is also part of a ritual. And it, it's almost like a mating ritual in a sense. And and then once the, you know, you think back to the Leave it to Beaver days or, or the 50s, you know, the good old days and or even the 40s. It was something that men and women did to um, essentially become a couple. And then often what happens, uh, it, it, it goes away. Um, they get into their daily routine of things. And... The idea of romance, of, of essentially creating an enticement uh, and, and a sense of adventure and wonder for your partner on an ongoing basis, uh, while it takes work, it, it, it uh, kind of goes away. So that, to me, was the old definition. Um, I mean, what do you think about that? Well, I think the world has changed. People have changed, as Sandra said. Um, you know, not all, all couples have children, but you know, everybody's got their own their own things going on. So, I mean, I didn't, I really didn't know what the old old definition of love or the old definition of of romance was compared to you know to the new definition. And and if there is a new definition, um, how does love play into it? Um, is love changed? Is the definition of love uh, changed as well? Well, you know, the, the, I, I don't know if there is a new definition of romance. I think romance um, evolves within the orbit of the couple. <clears throat> what, uh, what you and your husband or my and my partner or Sandra, you and your partner uh, uh, define as romance is, could be very different things. So I think in that way, it tends to be a little more granular. There is no there is no uh, "quote unquote" universal definition of romance. I can share with you what it means for me and my partner. What about love, uh, Michael? You you never talk about love. <laughs> I mean, does lo- love has to play into it at some 
some point, right? Oh, I mean, if we're talking absolutely. intimacy and and I mean, <clears throat> and romance is what about love? Yeah, yeah, and you know that's very perceptive, Linda, because I'm very careful about when I talk about love because. Again, this is a term that is easily misconstrued, and uh, because everybody looks at looks at it through their through their own lens, you know, when a couple just meets and they feel that surge and that excitement, it's almost uncontrollable. Many of them will call that love, and it may or may not be. Uh, when a couple has been married for years, uh, and you see them walking down the street or on the beach holding hands and and, you know, you can really tell there's a deep connection there. That, they, they'll call that love. And actually, I think that's probably a, a stronger definition than the couple that just meets and they're going through their, quote-unquote, honeymoon phase. Um, love to me means, um, when, when, I, when I love my partner, that means I'm willing to literally just about sacrifice anything for her in the sense of... Uh, she, her, she comes first for me. She comes first. And, uh, and, and so there's that sense of vulnerability, that sense of, of giving. Now, that's my definition of love. Now, I can, I can feel love for other people, but am I going to, um, am I going to uh, uh, express it in that way? No. I mean, there, there are different kinds of loves. There's love you have for your kids. There's love you have for your friends, your parents, your siblings. Uh, and, but a love for your partner is something I think that's unique to each partner. But I think the common thread is that there's this sense of willingness to be totally vulnerable. And, and, and by that, I mean, there's nothing there you're, you're putting up to protect yourself. Uh, and, uh, and, and as a result, you have a deeper connection than you will with just about anybody else. At least that's that's how I see it. See, and I think, you know, I look at love and all the different forms it takes. And I guess, you know, the only real frame of reference I have, you know, is what I see like with my parents and my siblings, you know, and I see it change over time. And I see that there's, you know, as we move closer into acceptance of the other person, you know, just understanding who they are and enjoying them, you know, for what they bring to the party, that's when I see love really flourishing. I, I don't see it yes. a whole lot when, you know, people are first together. I think they feel right. that in love blush, you know, that like, oh my God, this is so great. This is so great. But it's when you fight, like I think love builds after a fight, you know, if you you have a disagreement and you can work it through and each of you can come away from that argument with a better understanding of each other and still want to move forward, that's how real love is built. Because I don't think, you know, when it's untested, how do you know it can stand, you know, the things that life will throw at it, which it will. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think you hit it on the head there, Sandra. You know, the, and that's why, Linda, you don't hear me talking a lot about love because, the way most people see love is what Hollywood portrays it as, you know, uh, you know, you know to a man and a woman, uh, you know, they, they lock eyes and all of a sudden there's this incredible chemistry and, and, uh, you know, invisible, uh, connection between them. And, you know, you just think everything's going to be wonderful and all that. I don't really call that love. It can be the beginnings of it. It, it may be the segue to it. But uh, I tend to agree with Sandra that real love 
comes uh, in the um, in the bumps and bruises that life serves up every day and being able to still uh, have those deep abiding feelings and connection with your partner. Uh, real love is when even if they pissed you off, even if they said something that was hurtful, you can still feel that this is the person I want to spend the rest of my life with. And uh, so, yeah, love is, is again, uh, its definition, I don't think there's a universal definition. I think that it is highly influenced by the lens of the people who feel they have it. Um, but uh, Sandra, I, I tend to agree with your, your perspective on that. You know, Michael, you said that, you know, uh, with your partner that you, you know, you put her first and, um, it, you know, and, and, for most most things, I guess. Um, I have to say, um, I do a lot of of, of healing, healing coming first, but I no, I would have to say that's fifty fifty because if I give up too much to make him happy, then I'm going to become very resentful. And so well, oh. we've been together a long time, so I you know I have a perspective on it, and so now I I have that on an even keel that sometimes sometimes I do the things that that make that are better for me, um, whether, uh, even if they're not better for him, because All right. they, they make me happy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you, you said something very telling there, Linda, you said, you know, if I keep giving things up, that's not what I'm referring to. I don't give up everything to my partner. No, I, uh, I put her, when I say I put her first, I, 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 I kind of create a space where, um, I, I I give her the opportunity to to blossom in a sense uh, as as much as she can, as much as she's capable of, and it doesn't mean I'm giving up my own needs, not at all. Uh, but I'm extremely cognizant of of the differences between men and women emotionally, physically, and 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 how they uh, you know how they relate to things, how they react to things, how. Uh, how they uh, interact with things and uh, and the differences between us, which is something to celebrate, but also be very aware of. So I'm not talking about giving something up, not at all, because I don't do that. Uh, but I am I am exceedingly aware of what's important for her, and I and that and I think I'm talking more about the awareness and following through with it rather than. You know, okay, I'm a doormat. You just walk all over me, sweetie, because if that's what if that what's what works for you, then I'm all for it. Not at all. Not in the. If this is a two way street. So I just want to make that distinction that we're not talking about giving everything up to the other person. Not at all. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna chime in here from the egghead perspective, and I think of you know my old physics professor in college, who's like you know two objects cannot occupy the same space. So I think, you know, when you're talking about the sharing of spaces, the sharing of lives, the sharings of values and ideas, you know, it's a lot easier in certain respects when there's some of those crossovers so that, you know, you're not trying to put two objects in the same space, but there's a little spice that makes it different. Now, when we come back from the break, we're going to talk about some different lifestyles and there's been a bunch of articles written recently that talk about that cheating 
is good for the relationship. And that's a very controversial <laughs> statement. I have my opinions on it. I'm sure Michael and Linda do too. So oh, yeah. I can hear Michael giggling in the background. My name is Sandra Beck. I'm here with Linda Franklin and Powered Up Talk Radio. We're visiting with Michael Russer, intimacy expert of hardlybroken.com. When we come back from the break, we're going to talk about is cheating good for your marriage? We've got lots more powered up with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin after these messages. This is for all you girls about 42. Tossing pennies into the fountain of youth. Listen, something is brewing. The beautiful business evolution is coming. The way we do business is about to change for the better forever. This is real business at its very best. On Beautiful Business Radio, you will learn what it means to truly prosper, how to nourish yourself and your business, how to earn what you deserve and make a difference in the world. The tide is rising. The change is here. Discover a new way to live, love, and partner with yourself and your business on Philippa Rollins Presents Beautiful Business Radio where you matter and your business thrives every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Central Standard Time, only here on the WooHoo Radio Network. Secret Cuisines and Sacred Rituals is a quest, a place, and a feast. Join host Vilasi Venkatachalam every week to explore myths, mystique, old medicine, and brilliant modern solutions through a dazzling kaleidoscope of cuisines, cultures, and cures. This is the place where tribes gather, strangers and familiars, to be memory keepers and makers of our evolving, enduring, evergreen, spoken legacy of wisdom and ingenuity. In Velocity's words, when we do old things in new ways and new things in old ways, we paint with an inspired palette, weave our own healing traditions, and become our own guru. Velocity is a troubadour of secret cuisines and sacred rituals. She collects stories of wisdom, ingenuity, and grit. She believes wellness and transformation happen when you stand at the threshold of delight and discovery. She displays her hidden penchant for drama when she leads the safari at the supper club. Her favorite pastime is to extol the marvels of cuisines, cultures, and cures. To her audience in workplaces, seminars, and salons, her mantra is, be your own guru. She is a biochemist, botanist, and alchemist who likes to churn delightful, useful things from a brew of art and science, ancient and evolving, old medicine, and new cures. Join Velocity every Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, only here on the WooHoo Radio Network. We're back with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Here's some more Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. This is 
Hey, ladies, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Linda Franklin, and this is Powered Up Talk Radio, and we are visiting with intimacy expert today, Michael Russer of HardlyBroken.com. And recently, I read an article about it's okay to have affairs in other cultures, because other cultures, other countries, different groups of people have different views on infidelity, and you can call it straying, you can call it an affair, um, and they said that, in fact, these things can sometimes help a marriage. So I think that's really a controversial statement. And I would like to define cheating first. Uh, I'd be interested to see uh, first from Linda Franklin, when you think of a marriage, how do you define cheating? Well, there's several ways to define cheating. Uh, the first one comes to mind to most people is that you're having a sexual relationship with something, uh, someone other than your partner. But um, you're also having an emotional relationship with somebody other than your partner. And um, you're getting certain needs filled with another person other than your partner. So, um, you know, there's a, lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of wiggle room in the definition. Yeah, I'm glad that you said that, Linda, because there is a lot of wiggle room. And, you know, the only – I'm very outspoken, you know, as about, you know, anti-cheating. I think it's bad for families. I think it's bad for children. I think it's bad for relationships. However, I will say one thing, that in unhappy relationships and unhappy marriages, the desire to stray, the the kind of cultivation of a relationship that could lead to an affair – to me, is a great warning sign that something's really off track in the relationship, and it's up to you know you to figure out how to fix it, remove it, you know, end the relationship, whatever it is, you know. Because I think that um, it's a great warning sign that if you're thinking about straying or you are worried that your husband is straying or your wife is straying, that that's a good wake up call before anything happens to fix the relationship. Now I'm going to go over to Michael. Michael, you have some pretty strong opinions on this. Yeah, you know, and and first of all, Linda, I totally agree with your definition. There are there are many different levels of cheating, uh, quote unquote, and that does include the emotional cheating. You can you can be uh, you can be uh, physically faithful yet cheating emotionally, and your partner will feel it. They if, if you had any kind of relationship at all, they will feel it. In terms of cheating, I I look at cheating as a form of betrayal, and and. Uh, anytime you have betrayal, uh, there's obviously, uh, there was probably not a strong connection to begin with, or it was a damaged connection and, uh, having, creating a betrayal will only strengthen it. Uh, uh that damage will only increase it. Now I do know, as you said, in other cultures, and I'm, I'm somewhat familiar with the Latin American cultures. Uh, they, they it's very common uh, my my life partner is Brazilian, and she was telling me it's very very common for men to have mistresses and for the wives to accept it. Now, accepting something and having it as something that is um, conducive to deeper sense of connection, which is what I, how I define intimacy, are two different things. Just because a culture, as a one party in the culture, accepts it, doesn't mean it's a good thing. It just means it's, uh, it's, you know, it's kind of like, um, you know, if you accept something bad that happens in an area, well, it happens and we, you know, we accept it. That's nothing we can do about it because that's the way it always is. 
that's not the same thing. I mean, I, I don't see that as being anything positive. It just means that uh, I think eventually, uh, even in Latin American uh, uh, countries where there's a high degree of machismo, it's at least uh, I'm painting a broad brushstroke there, that eventually, um, you know, women will start standing up for, and not standing up and not taking that anymore. And that is happening. That is happening. They're, be, they're being very proactive about who they partner with and under what terms. Well, you know, I don't know if we have to go to Latin America. I mean, I live in New York City, and the amount of cheating that I have seen through the years is monumental, and it's not only the men that's cheating, it's the wives that are out uh, having their afternoon delights as well. So, yeah, you know, and they and the, most of them end up staying in their marriages. It's yeah, just, but how, um, how, it's how a happy are they, Linda? Yeah, it's a diversion. So how happy are they? I mean, how, I mean... I, I, I'm not here to judge anybody. This is not about judgment. But really, if you're betraying your partner um, once or on a regular basis, that partner, even if they're both doing it, I mean, there is there is tremendous damage that's being done there. How can you possibly allow yourself to be vulnerable, which is what's required to to have the deepest levels of connection and intimacy? How can you possibly allow that to happen? Uh, or have that happen when you when you know that either yourself or your partner is cheating? I mean, I just see, don't see it happening. Well, I'm going to throw something the, out there. You know, it's the okay. relationship. Like, I mean, let's go to Hill, uh, Bill uh, Clinton and Hillary, uh, and Hillary because you know that everybody knows who they are. I some people mm-hmm. go into a relationship as a business relationship. They're good for one another. They can help their careers. You know, they they they're they're good together, but um, they're they're not intimate together or, or they're not romantic right. together. Well, I think, right. Linda, what you're talking about is the difference between a marriage and a relationship. A lot of yeah. people I know, and I see this as I get older, there's a lot of people who have marriages, but they don't have relationships within that marriage. They don't have relationships yes. with each other. They have, you know, some of my girlfriends have great relationships with their girlfriends, you know what I mean? Just female friends, and they get 99% of their you know, their their relationships outside the marriage from that, and all they get inside the marriage is, you know, a, a, a house to live in, you know, money to raise their kids, and then you've got, you know, some friends of mine who are married to their, or are married, but their relationship is with their work. You know, they distract themselves with a tremendous amount of work, so I think we really need to draw a line here between a marriage, which is a contractual agreement between two people, and that can be a business relationship, a mutually mm-hmm. beneficial, you know, uh, professional relationship, but what kind of marriage do you want to have? Do you want to have a marriage in which you have a marriage and a relationship? I, that, I just think that's important that we identify that. Or the two people that are uh, identify it so that you, you go in knowing basically what you're getting into. Right. In that case, there's no betrayal. But here's the thing. One of the premises that I that I speak about is that the way men and women are biologically and culturally wired literally gets in the way of what their hearts truly yearn for, which is deep, abiding connection. And I think when couples <clears throat> enter into relationships or, or stray from the relationships uh, for whatever reason, uh, uh, that in essence, they are still looking for that connection, but they've effectively given up um, in trying to find it with their partner. And so I, I do believe that a fundamental uh, uh, 
precept of human nature is that we crave that deep abiding connection, which requires real vulnerability. And you're not going to find that in betrayal in, in, uh, in, in these kind of relationships. Well, and it's interesting you say that, Michael, because I have a couple girlfriends that put themselves through graduate school with me as sex workers. You know, they had, mm-hmm. you know, talk lines, chat lines, you know, a couple of them were actual, you know, physical women who, who sold their bodies, you know, in exchange for money to put themselves through a high-powered university. And it's interesting you say that because they would come home and, you know, we all shared an apartment together and, you know, I, I worked in food, so I handled desires in another way, but... um <laughs> They all talked about how these men who were cheating on their wives would come to them and want to talk. And I'm like, you know, to my girlfriends, I'm like, you know, they they pay you to talk. And they're like, yeah, they have, you know, they do whatever for a few minutes, but then they have a whole hour or longer. And all they want to do is talk, talk about their work, talk about their kids, talk about their, even their wives, you know, and not just complaining. And I thought it was interesting that here's all these rich married men in Beverly Hills paying for the companionship of a, you know, an attractive 20 something but that the whole hour wasn't spent on sex the whole hour was spent on you know i don't know if, if you would call that intimacy it's a form of intimacy they're, they're they're searching for the connection that's missing in their in their marriage um and so the, yeah they, they they there's there's been probably so much hurt in their marriage that uh, that that level of connection's been shut down and so yeah and and you got to remember it's easy it's actually easy to talk to somebody who's young and attractive from a male perspective, young and attractive, but also there, there is no, beyond that, that hour or whatever it is they pay for, there is no further, uh, uh, you know, obligation. And so it's, it's easy to let the barriers down because in so doing, you know, it's, it's, it, they can, they can, they can experience a sense of vulnerability without truly being vulnerable. Because when you're truly vulnerable, you're basically saying, here I am. This is who I am. And, but they're, they're, they're searching for that connection. And this is something that gives them a semblance of it, but still not as deep as I think what they really are looking for. And they just don't know how to get it with their current partner. Linda, you yeah, want to weigh I mean, in look, on but it? Look what it, I mean, it's, it's destroyed many a man. Uh, you know, Elliot Spitzer, who was the governor of New York, uh, you know, he was going to a call girl agency. You know, and I don't know if he was going there for, for intimacy or he was just going there for plain sex. But, you know, whatever it was, he, he wasn't getting it at home. And now he is, um, and she stood by him, but now they are in the process of getting a divorce. And now he's a reality, reality TV star or something like that. From yeah, and he's, he's going around with somebody, uh, I think, in the de Blasio administration. So, you know, but he looks, he's smiling, he's happy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will yeah. say, you know, I can tell you that when you're in a loveless marriage or a loveless relationship and, you know, there's just no hope, there's no lonelier place on earth. Um, yes. There's a lot of people listening today that are going through that. I want to thank you, Michael Resser, for coming on today and handling a difficult topic such as cheating and intimacy within a marriage or relationship. Uh, Linda Franklin, you are fabulous as always. We're going to lighten things up a little bit and we're going to talk about food and sex. When we get back, we're going to bring on Deborah Boulanger and she's going to talk about foods to enhance our sex life. Just through the night at a time, and my life ain't worried about you feeling, feeling. 
we've got lots more Powered Up with Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin after these messages. Kids, do you think you're creative? Do you want to be? Don't have enough time for your arts, crafts, and hobbies? Or do you just need a kick in the pants? Hi, I'm Mark Lipinski, the host of Creative Mojo with Mark Lipinski, right here on TogiNet Radio. Come on and join me every Wednesday afternoon for some creative inspiration and two of the fastest, fun-filled hours of your week. Hey, need ideas? How about a little motivation and a lot of inspiration? Join the fun on Creative Mojo with me, Mark Lipinski. I'm here live every Wednesday afternoon at 3 p.m. Eastern, 1 Pacific, right here on toginet.com. Now what are you waiting for? Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. Here's more Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. Hey, ladies, this is Sandra Beck, and I'm here with Linda Franklin, and this is Powered Up Talk Radio. For those of you that missed the first three quarters of today's show, you can check us out on iTunes under Powered Up Talk Radio. You can go to the .com by the same name, PoweredUpTalkRadio.com, or you can go to our host station in Texas at Toginet, T-O-G-I-N-E-T dot com. We have over, gosh, Linda, we must have about 60 hours of uh, programming on money, sex, beauty, love, intimacy and all sorts of good things and today we're going to talk about food and we're going to talk about food in relation to our relationships so I'm kind of excited for it Linda I haven't really had a conversation on food and sex in a while well the only thing that I think of is anything um, (laughs) that has to do with sex and food is champagne strawberries and chocolate Oh, maybe some whipped cream and chocolate sauce so I I think Deb probably has a lot different ideas than I do (laughs) Well, chocolate's always in the game, Linda. <laughs> so now, Deb, we want to learn about um, can can foods really make us enjoy sex more? Because I hear about like, you know, the pineapple juice. You're supposed to drink pineapple juice or eat pineapple because it makes everything taste better. Is there any truth to these things? And can food really enhance our sex life? I think I think there's a lot of things about food that can enhance your sex life, not only what you eat, but how you prepare it and who you eat it with. So uh, to answer your question, yeah, there are foods that are known aphrodisiacs. I don't know if they're known or just believed to be, but if it works, you know, do it. So uh, oysters obviously have been on the list, but I've never heard a woman say that oysters were an aphrodisiac for her. I've only heard uh, men, and it's interesting because they're high in zinc, and zinc tends to lead to higher levels of testosterone in men. So maybe it's only oysters make men feel hotter. Um, Then we've talked about cacao, and, and everyone talks about chocolate because chocolate really is the love food. It's the feel good food. Um, Chocolate increases the level of serotonin in your brain, and that just makes you feel sexier. It's a, a known aphrodisiac. 
Then uh, chili peppers, you know, you're bringing up the heat in the body, you're releasing endorphins and so that it all leads to feel good chemicals. And then there's garlic. Garlic dilates the blood vessels. And we all know that experiencing good sex, you want to have good dilated blood vessels and let the blood flow. So that's a good food for sex. And then one I think I mentioned on a past show is maca powder, which is a uh, powder made from an Andean root vegetable. Uh, It's known as the natural Viagra. It boosts libido for men and, and women. So... You know, there's a lot of great foods out there. There's also supplements. There's an herb called yohimbe that's in, I, I will confess, this will be true confessions, okay? Is that all right? Go ahead. Oh, yeah, it's talk radio. You got to spell that, though, yohimbe. How do you spell? <laughs> well, I'm going to spell the supplement that I take, and I've been taking it for a couple of years since menopause hit, and there were some side effects to that that I didn't like, and I, I searched online, and I found this supplement called Liriana. It's L-Y-R-I-A-N-A. And it says female libido enhancement. And it's a dietary supplement. And I take it whenever I'm with my man and in the mood. And it has some other things in it. But Yohimbine, Yohimbe, is the uh, technical ingredient. And it really works. What does really works mean? Because you said uh, something. You said, when mm-hmm. I'm with him, my man, and I'm in the mood, then I will take it. But um, don't you get in the mood before you take anything? What does, the, what does this thing actually do for you? Yes, you're absolutely right, Linda. I am in the mood before I take it. What it does is it actually enhances the pleasure that I feel. What, in an orgasm? It, in, yes, or in, in touch? sexual in touch, in orgasm. It increases the blood flow to all the right places. It uh, keeps me well lubricated, which as women, we all know that's really important. Yeah. So uh, I find that, that this, it really works. And, you know, when you want to talk about food too, just the process of creating food, of cooking food together, food is sexy. You know, food is love. When you make food for someone, you're expressing love for them. When you look at food, it's round, it's colorful. You know, there's a lot about food and love and sex that go together. And when you eat together, eating together is an intimate experience. So when uh, Michael was talking earlier about connection and vulnerability, you know, start at the table, start with food. Um, and I know that uh, when my man and I get together and I make a delicious meal, we tend to hang out at the table. It's where we can be vulnerable with each other, where we can connect really deeply. And we don't have that when we're not together. Well, I like everything about the, except the having to make it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, well, I remember... Uh, in some of my dating times that I uh, going to a restaurant was a very, very sexy thing, um, kind of feeding one another. Of course, you, you know, you do that when you're, well, I mean, you can do that always, which is a, a great thing. I remember going once and we were having mussels and French fries somewhere and sort of feeding the mussels, which are sexy little things anyway. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and, um, and, and in a restaurant, it's even, it's even, sexier because you can only do so much in a restaurant, but it really gets you ready for the main attraction. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So in a restaurant, you're dressed up, right? So you've gone all out, you look really good, you smell great, 
and you're ordering high-end foods and you might eat foods that tend to be sexier than at other if you were just sitting at home around the kitchen or ordering takeout. So it's where you might order the oysters or the truffles or the exotic foods that tend to be just sexy just thinking about them. Well, and I'm going to buzz in here for, you know, I'm going to be the, 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 the wet rag over here. But I will say, as a single mother <laughs> of two kids, if I have to cook for my date, which I had to recently, not that I had to, he asked for a home-cooked meal, but I really wanted to poke my eyes out, girls, because I have to cook three meals a day for four people, seven days a week, and the last thing I want to do on a date is cook. And I love to cook, don't get me wrong, but there is something luxurious about going out to dinner and having a man pay for your dinner. I know that sounds like, you know, all the feminists just rolled over in their graves. But no, no, there no, is... no, no. They should pay for your dinner. Yeah, there's something really sexy about that. It's like if men are out here listening and you want to get laid on a date, take the girl out to dinner and pay for mm-hmm. it. And you got a much better chance than you would if you didn't. Just put amen that to that. There. Yeah, amen <laughs> to that. Yeah, well, you see, you gave in. You didn't want to do it, and you did it anyway. Why didn't you tell him to take you out? You know, I guess I just wasn't that interested in the date, I guess. You know, I I, I didn't really care that much. Much I was like, well, then I don't have to get dressed up. Then I don't have to, you know, drive. I don't have to do anything. And you know what? The effort that you put into it is exactly what you get out of it, which is just eh. So it was just an, oh, an okay meal. It was a great meal because I cooked it, but it was, you know, the food was spectacular. Don't get me wrong, but I was tired. You know, by the time dinner was rolled around, it's like, you know, when you have a Thanksgiving dinner, you make a a lot of effort into a meal, you're tired and you don't really enjoy it when you cooked it yourself because you had to put so much work in it and you're tasting it. It's not like somebody in a restaurant putting a plate down on a white tablecloth and you can just eat and relax and enjoy the other person. You know, it's a whole different experience. And I think it's a very intimate experience. Better left for, you know, I don't know, a year into the relationship. Yeah. And well, it's also something that you want to set your priorities straight, right? So when you're ha- spending time together, you may want to spend more time on the delicious appetizer of nibbling on each other first before you spend much time in the kitchen. And don't spend a lot of time in the kitchen. Food can be delicious. It can be intimate. It can be connecting and not complex. So you don't want to be creating a Thanksgiving dinner. This is not about impressing people. This is about getting to know you and, and having a great relationship. We've all seen those movies, and maybe for some of us, it's not only in the movies about someone, you know, the cooking dinner, whether the man's cooking dinner or the woman's cooking dinner, and all of a sudden it becomes this hot, hot and heavy thing, and you know, you just swipe everything off the counter, goes, (laughs) you know, dingling down on the floor, and there you are on on your counter making mad, passionate love. (laughs) It happens, ladies. It happens. That sounds good. I would like to get yeah, some that, of that. Well, what yeah, did you serve? It does sound good. <laughs> so, I mean, any any food that can make that happen is a good food in my book. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not the food. It's the connection, right? It's the yeah. electricity. It's the relationship. It's the chemistry between the two partners. Right. Yeah, and and especially if it's a small kitchen. If it's a really small kitchen, then you're bumping into each other all the time. That's true. That makes that whole, like, you know, when do they kiss you, you know, a lot easier when you're in close proximity. When you have a 5,000 square foot house like mine, you could chase each other around like chickens for weeks. (laughs) 
So your your three, if you had to choose your three top, I know that you have to, you know, I, I think Sandra said spell it because it's it's a, it's a it's a tongue twister. But that would be number one. Was that that thing you take once you start to get the tingle? Yeah, it's called Liriana, L-Y-R-I-A-N-A, and it's a it's a vitamin supplement. But the key ingredient that's in there is you know himbe, and it's a plant. I remember exactly where it comes from, but you know, it's just like after dinner, you know, I just kind of take it with my after dinner vitamins. It becomes a regular rote thing. I do it every day. So I don't have to pre-think it. I don't have to wait until I feel like I want to have sex. I just do it as a matter of course. And I'm laughing only because I can just imagine the commercial for a woman. And if your orgasm lasts for more than four hours, <laughs> get, get in touch with your doctor. <laughs> get in t- How would you get in touch with your doctor? You'd have to, like, you could charge your own battery with oh, that. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it's crazy because, you know, there's so much out there for the men. But any, any kind of uh, aid for the woman is always like, you know, it's, it's, they don't, it's, it's not out there as readily available. Because for some reason, the networks don't want to put those kind of ads on. Yeah, I I guess not. But um, I think it's important, and I think it's effective. It works. It's better than taking a pharmaceutical. It's a natural natural herb. And aside from that, you asked me for my top four. Uh, Cacao or cocoa is always uh, a top aphrodisiac. Uh, and maca powder. And actually, if you put cacao and maca together, either in a smoothie or in a warm drink, that's uh, that's a surefire way to get your your fire lit later on in the evening. And I also think avocados. Let's let's think about it for a second, right? So, sex, orgasm, it's all in your head. It's about brains. And if your brain is functioning well, if you've got a lot of good fat, so avocado would be a great go-to food. Keeps all the synapses firing up there. Is, and uh, is there a right? fo- is there a food that actually can turn off the, the thinking process so that you sort of go in sort of into just the sexual trance of feeling? Mm, I don't know that there's a food, but what I do is a uh, is breathing. You know, I just start focusing on my breath uh, and tune out any thoughts because yeah, thoughts definitely get in the way. And uh, if you can pick a focal point, either a sensation in your body. Uh, or pick your breath, and my partner will know I start breathing different, differently, very differently when I start approaching orgasm because I start start tuning in to how my body is feeling. Yeah. yeah. Oh, or, girls, we just I, got to the good part, and I got to take us either, right? to the... <laughs> Sorry, girls, I got to cut us off. The show is over. We're going to have to pick this up at a future date. It was just starting to get interesting. My <laughs> name's Sandra Beck. I was here with Linda Franklin and Deb Boulanger and liveawholelife.net. Thank you so much, ladies. We're so glad you joined us for Powered Up with Beck and Franklin. Sandra Beck, Los Angeles-based single mother and technology company owner, knows what it's like to be fit, funny, and fantastic in your 40s. Linda Franklin, a New Yorker with a successful 